For those of you who don't know, because this is going back a few years now, back in like 96, 97, at one point, I was commissioned by Warner Brothers to write a script for a new Superman movie. And how it came about, I think, was that somebody saw Mallrats, somebody at Warner Brothers, some studio exec, and was just like, watched Brody and, and T.S. talk about the kryptonite condom. And they were like, this guy seems to know a lot about Superman. <laughs> So I got called in for, for a meeting at Warner Brothers, and um, they uh, said there's a couple of projects that uh, you can rewrite, because at this point, the script for Chasing Amy had started to circulate, and people were like, oh, he can write after all. So they were like offering me rewrite work. So I went into Warner Brothers and said, we have three projects we could throw your way. I said, all right, what are they? And they said, one is a, a remake of an Outer Limits episode called The Architects of Fear. The second is Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. <laughs> To which I was like, really, didn't we say all we needed to say with the first Beetlejuice? Must we go tropical? And the, uh, the third was uh, a project called Superman Reborn, and my, that's what piqued my interest. I was like, Superman? You guys are going to make another Superman movie? And they said, we're thinking about it. I said, can I? I, I would love to do that. And they said, well, that's a long shot. You can't, I can't give you that right here in the room. That has to go through a bunch of people because it's a big Warner Brothers franchise. So I said, well, what do I have to do? Whose who's fucking dick do I have to suck to get this job? <laughs> and um, thankfully, he didn't say his. Um, but he said, you know what? Why don't you take the script home? We have a, a draft of it. Take it home, read it, and tell me what you think about it. So I said, all right. I read the script, and I was just like, this is this fucking terrible. This is a horrible script. I mean, it was just really, really bad. It was kind of like the Batman TV show version of a Superman movie. Very campy. So I went back to Warner Brothers two days later and sat down with the dude, and he was like, what'd you think? I said, well, it was really quite bad. And he was like, well, bad meaning good? And I said, no, bad, just fucking terrible. And he said, he's looking at me, and I'm, I'm just going on for about five minutes how bad the script is. And I was like, do you pay somebody to write this? Is this somebody's, the writer of this script, somebody's fucking cousin? Because who lets somebody write this script? Do somebody, you pay this dude? Can you get the money back? Because this is horrendous, dude, horrendous. And he was looking at me, nodding and going, all right, well, thanks for coming in. So I left and I was driving home. And I got home and I called my friend Walter, who's back in Jersey, and he's a big comic book fan. And I was like, dude, I just went into Warner Brothers and told him their script for Superman sucked. <laughs> rebel, rebel, Jersey represent. <laughs> Fuck Hollywood. <laughs> and Walter's like, well, why didn't you just offer to write a better version? And I was like, ah. Because <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Welcome to Two Old First Talk Sci-Fi. I'm David Clay. And I'm Troy Harkin, and we're back. We're back to do the beginning of the second part of movies. Superman movies, because we went long. <laughs> Super long. We now are ready to give you that second part, aren't we? We're back yeah, from and and I'm even wondering where we're actually even going to start because this is all in post and this is where Troy 
earns his pay for the week and does all this wonderful, amazing stuff behind the scenes. Because I have a funny feeling it might even begin with the Henry Cavill ones, but I don't know where we've broken off, but we're back now. Yeah, we were lost in the Phantom Zone, but we're back with Superman at the Movies Part 2. And we continue the the episode. The Dave and Troy cut. (laughs) All right. Okay, I'm just going to touch on a film that wasn't a film, which was uh, Superman Lives. Uh, For a couple of years there, it tried to get made in the 1990s. Tim Burton was slated to direct the film, um, and John Peters was the ongoing producer of this thing. For a while there, Kevin Smith, among other people, was slated to write it. Uh, And I think originally it was called Superman Reborn? or something. But uh, anyway, Kevin Smith came up with Superman Lives. Um, and this is an aborted film that has seen elements of it appear in other recent Superman films. Uh, the film was to be centered around the death and return of Superman, like in the comic books. Um, and there were many actors' names kicked around in connection with Superman Lives. But here are some of the most common and and Nicolas Cage, basically, he was committed to this. He did uh, a number of different tests for it in front of the camera, uh, wearing the suit, um, bouncing ideas around on how the, the character should uh, be played. But yeah, he was supposed to be Superman and Clark Kent. Sandra Bullock or Courtney Cox as Lois Lane. And I think they both would have been excellent. Mm. Um, I think there's something about Courtney Cox that is very um, Margot Kidder. You know, I think she could have stepped into that role really well. Um, Chris Rock as Jimmy Olsen. That's interesting. And that I kind of would have liked to have seen. Christopher, Absolutely. Yeah, Christopher Walken was supposed to be Brainiac. And Kevin Spacey at, was slated to play Lex Luthor, as he would later do in another produced film by John Peters. Um, yeah, pretty cool potential casting there, eh, David? Yeah, and it's just too bad about Batman and Robin, which I guess lent towards this, because you have a note here that they pulled the plug after uh, Batman and Robin. Maybe just the studio didn't want to invest. You know, it's weird, because one of the, I forgot to mention this, Troy, but you know, at the beginning, the very beginning of the film, they show the Warner Brother logo. Then you start hearing the wonderful music from, as time goes by, from Casablanca, which is just so wrong at the beginning of Superman 4, A Quest for Peace. They should have a level of stand. You should have, if you're the ones that made Casablanca, do you not have a minimum standard? Yeah. Sorry for going backward in time here. Yeah. But it's good they did not greenlit like this because, um. Yes, they knew. Like, see, cause now we've moved out of the cocaine era. Mm. You know, like it's the nineties now. There are other drugs of choices, but cocaine is not one of them. Um, and again, imagine what, what Casablanca would have been like if they were all on cocaine. Yeah. And they should uh, remake it with (laughs) Nicolas Cage and, and, um, others, but no, maybe they can't. And put them on coke and just see how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Just saying that's, that's what they'll call it too. The cocaine cut. (laughs) That that would be, uh. (laughs) <laughs> that would be something. All right, we're getting a bit silly. I know, and we are. And um, 
and we're getting going along, so we're going to have to go a little shorter on some of the the later films here. But uh, in 2006, Superman Returns was released. It was directed by Brian Singer, who was coming off the success of his Marvel X Men films. Um, Superman Returns comes ten years after the aborted Superman Lives project, and twenty years after the god awful Superman Four. But Warner Brothers seemed to be emboldened by the success of Smallville on the small screen and the audience's apparent growing appetite for superhero films. Relative unknown actor Brandon Routh was brought in to play the dual roles roles of Clark Kent and Superman. And generally, that seems to be the way you want to go with Superman. I mean, it would have been an exception to have Nicolas Cage play Superman. Generally, you go with an unknown so that you can just buy into this guy in tights and whatnot. Um, Superman Returns was intended as a follow-up to Superman 2. Um, it's, it's, that's where it sort of gets retconned. Uh, it's supposed to follow. So that's, I guess, Warner Brothers trying to say, please forget about Superman 3 and 4, please. They, they did, they didn't exist. Okay. Please. Uh, the Man of Steel has been away from Earth for a few years and he is, as the title totally spoils, he returns. Uh, he returns to find Lois has a young son and a fiance. Uh, he also returns to find his nemesis Lex Luthor is once again planning to terraform the earth for his personal gain and glory. Kevin Spacey played a wonderfully narcissistic Lex Luthor while Kate Bosworth stepped in to the role of Lois. The film made 391 million at the box office. And although Brandon Routh has yet to return to the role of Superman on the big screen. He did portray a version of Superman on television's DC Legends of Tomorrow, and I was really happy to see that happen. Uh, Although the film was not to everyone's liking, it does sit nicely between Christopher Reeve's gentle portrayal of Superman and Henry Cavill's uh, edgier Man of Steel. David, I went right down the middle here. I gave it a, well, I guess 2.5 would be the middle, but so I gave it a three out of five super S's. I still find it a good watch. I just wasn't nuts about the super young Lois, but then again, we're two old farts. So I guess everybody is younger than us. Uh, how'd yeah, you feel? And, well, I had my back up against, uh, Brandon Routh. Just, I wasn't giving him an opportunity really because I just like Christopher Reeve so much and I just, uh, I don't, I mean, I watched it recently. I just don't, can't recall if I even saw it when it came out originally. Um, but, and isn't his son, like, like Luther's on this yacht and they got them trapped, like, like Lois and the, and the daughter and the son. And doesn't he, doesn't it appear that he has some kind of powers? The, the whole thing is just a bit yeah. weird. Well, that. it is weird because they, like, they go there, they go there with the kid but then they don't really pay it off in any sort of meaningful way. Now, I don't know if they were planning to because DC Warner brothers is notorious for starting what they want to be a series of films and then scrapping it and starting over again. So, which is what they did with Superman returns. Like, you know, they, they obviously wanted originally Brian Routh to uh, do a series of films, but when it underachieved, they, they scrapped it. And, you know, waited, what is this? Almost, they waited almost 10 years. Uh, they wrote out the uh, Dark Knight series with uh, the Christopher Nolan and um, Christian Bale Batman success. And then sort of thought, well, let's let's do Superman, but sort of through the worldview of the, Chris, the Christopher Nolan films where it's a little darker. Um, yeah, yeah. 
One thing I will give Superman Returns and Brandon Routh is he's got the red shorts. Well yeah. done, sir. Well done. Okay. So as, oh, sorry. How many uh, stars did you give? I, I think I gave it two and a half. Two and a half. That's pretty, yeah, that's respectable. Um, we then do get into Man of Steel in 2013, directed by Zack Snyder. Um, it was released the year after Christopher Nolan's hugely successful Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, Man of Steel gave us a new on-screen Superman, introducing British actor Henry Cavill in the title role. Uh, the film made $668 million at the box office. It was the ninth highest grossing film of 2013. That's weird to think, you know, like that it was sort of that low. You make that many million and you're still in ninth place. Whereas well, that those, says that there were eight films that made over 668 million, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think of those first two Superman films, they were second each t- for each one behind classics like Greece and Raiders. Um, but yeah, and this one is like in ninth. So yeah, you're right. It is insane. Uh, it was the first live action Superman without the red undies. So I was sad. Um, in all previous, uh, canonical versions of Superman, part of the tension arises from Lois not knowing that Clark is Superman. In Man of Steel, it's, it's turned on its head and Lois is the only one other than Martha Kent who knows who he is. Now I, it took me a long time to come to terms with that, but I have, I kind of like that now, but mm. it did piss me off that they were sort of reinventing things so much. But as you and I have said, this does happen all the time. Like, yeah. you know, things do change over time. This is not the Superman that we were given originally in the thirties. And that's fine. Um, you uh, also see her reporting. Like you actually see, because in these earlier films, you don't really see Lois Lane going out and actually getting stories. Yet in this series of ones with the Henry Cavill, there's the one that she's actually going and finding the ship and she's doing all this. She's interviewing people, finding all these interesting things about this kid that was growing up with powers. And she does all of that stuff, which is what a reporter does. She also, in I think another one of these films, goes to the Middle East somewhere and is trying to resolve or figure out. Like They actually have her doing reporter-like stuff. Right. Which is great. And we both like Amy Adams quite a lot. As yes. Lois in this series, um, yes. I, b- both Diane Lane and Amy Adams work for me really well. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Michael Shannon as Zod. Mm-hmm. I like him in basically everything he does, and I like Costner as Pa Kent. So a, a lot of that, the um, actual casting, I was quite fond of. One of the things that kind of tickled me though, because for whatever reason, I have, always have a bugaboo with uh, shaving or not shaving, or you know, does hair grow or whatever. Um, so. In um, Man of Steel, it kind of cracked me up where Clark goes up to, I guess, what is the uh, Fortress of Solitude. He needs a shave. He has no hair product up there. But then he transforms into Superman, and all of a sudden, he has a clean shave and a ton of product in his hair. Uh, I don't know what that means other than Kryptonians are incredibly (laughs) well-groomed. Fair enough. I also yeah. like in this one, because you're right about um, uh, Michael Shannon, but I also like this uh, actress who I think is a German actress. And their name is Antje, A-N-T-J-E, and then Trau, T-R-A-U-E, who basically is doing a Sarah Douglas role right. uh, in that. 
and she's very good. I always like Harry Lennox and some of the other, like they really cast well, they write it well, they act well. Richard Schiff, Christopher Maloney, Kevin Costner, the whole thing with Kevin, there's a few moments in the film. I should have made better notes, but in Man of Steel, where he, where there's that hurricane thing or whatever, and there's Kevin Costner and that moment where Clark is going to go and save him and he holds up his hand and shakes his head and says no like it's just such a powerful there there's several very strong and powerful scenes in the you know like when batman when superman emerges and there's all the people who are who are the soldiers and they're all just standing there as he walks by them and Christopher Maloney says he's one of our he's on our side kind of like they're just mo- the way Snyder does it the way he has it choreographed the way he just it's just beautiful. It, it reminds me of the, the the best Batman films, you know, yep. the ones with Christian Bale. Yeah, and that is a scene that I have come to terms with. It was also one that when I originally saw it, the death of uh, Pa Kent, Jonathan Kent, um, I was not nuts about because, again, I was clinging to the um, sort of Superman canon that I grew up with, which was mm. always was always – Paul Kent has a heart attack and dies. Now, clearly not as dramatic. And also it doesn't do as many things among the characters that, that the scene that you just described does. But um, what I loved about it always as a kid was that this is Superman or the man who will become Superman. And he still has to deal. Like if he's going to be truly human, he has to deal with the tragedies that, that you and I have to deal with, which is like mm. standing by and watching a parent die, just which I guess is still the case under the overpass. Like he's still doing that. It's, it's not a heart attack. It, I, but I was like, just go do it. You have super speed. You can be there and back and nobody will know. Nobody will see you, but I guess they'll see him disappear. Right. They'll see mm. Pa Kent disappear. Okay. Yeah. So see, I am totally on board with that now. And I think you're right. It does do a lot dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should probably jump ahead, shouldn't we? Yep, 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 yep. To, uh, Other than this... I would, you had a rating though for it. That oh, was... right. Uh, I gave it a three out of five super S's. Um, and again, I've, I've come to like it more, more as it attaches to the trilogy that Zack Snyder did. I like it as the backstory and I do now like things that I was not nuts about originally. I was also not nuts, you know, when I first saw it about the, the blue filter that was over the whole film, basically. Um, But but I kind of realized that what they were going to have to do, there's a problem that, that DC has always had compared to Marvel. And it's this, it's a, it's a problem, but it's also a bit of a strength. The Marvel universe is all created around real world, New York, Mm -hmm. right? All of these characters, Stanley basically envisioned as occupying the world that we know as Manhattan and the surrounding boroughs. Mm. Um, And that's cool because you're saying from the outset that they can cross paths at any given time. And they do in the comics and they do in the films. Um, That was not the case with DC comics. DC, you know, first created Superman and Superman lives in Metropolis and Metropolis is basically a pseudonym for Manhattan (laughs) and, and Batman also uh, lives in a pseudonym for Manhattan, which is Gotham. Um, yet they were never intended, at least for the first bunch of years, to commingle. 
And Batman was a detective story and it was a dark detective story set at night right. where, where he uses fear. And Superman is not that character. Superman is, as we know, referred to as the Boy Scout. Um, and Wonder Woman also, you know, like a totally different origin with no, uh, no idea from the outset that these three would come together. And so when they do, there's a little bit of, you know, melding that needs to happen that is not as smooth as the Marvel universe. Um, so I think what they had to do was they, after the success of the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman films that were very dark and very mature, mm-hmm. they, you yeah. could not put Christopher Reeve into that universe. <laughs> you know, that was not going to happen. You were not going to have that, those sunny images of Superman flying, uh, mixed in with uh, like a Christian Bale Batman. So what they needed to do was start to meld the look of Superman's world. So they have that blue filter throughout anticipating the eventual merger of Superman and Batman. So I came to terms with that. That's a long winded answer to that, David. Um, but so, so we get to that point. Oh, sorry. Did you give your rating? Yeah, I think you have it as a three. I'm giving it somewhere between a four and four. And I'm much more taken with the, Henry Cavill set of mm-hmm. of Superman films, and they're actually like the to me like the Christopher Nolan set of Batman ones. And I find them very strong, very powerful, well written, well acted, and almost as strong as that first Christopher Reeve uh, film for me, at least. Yeah, yep. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, so then we move on to Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, which was released in 2016, also directed by Zack Snyder, written by David S. Goyer and Chris Terrio. Uh, Batman versus Superman or BVS, as they call it, sets up a grudge match between DC and Warner Brothers, two temple, two temple heroes and retells a section of Frank Miller's Dark Knight comic in which Batman and Superman go toe to toe. Uh, Batman has a hate on for Superman for causing catastrophic collateral damage in his battle with the Kryptonian General Zod at the end of Man of Steel, while Superman is peeved with the Cape Crusader for being a masked vigilante. In the end, the two heroes, with some help from Wonder Woman, must form an alliance and fight the giant monstrosity, Doomsday, and in doing so, Superman sacrifices his life. The world mourns. Well, this film asks a lot of deep questions about the nature of Superman. In particular, there is a montage of famous television personalities who spell it out for us. We, as a population on this planet, have been looking for a savior. 90% of people believe in a higher power, and every religion believes in some sort of messianic figure. And when the savior character actually comes to Earth, we want to make him abide by our rules. We have to understand that this is a paradigm shift. We have to start thinking beyond politics. Are there any moral constraints on this person? We have international law on this Earth. Every act is a political act. Is it really surprising that the most powerful man in the world should be a figure of controversy? To have an individual engaging in the state-level interventions should give us all pause. Human beings have a horrible track record of following people of great power down paths that led to huge human atrocities. We have always created icons in our own image. What we've done is we project ourselves onto him. The fact is, maybe he's not some sort of devil or Jesus character. Maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right thing. We're talking about 
a being whose very existence challenges our own sense of priority in the universe. And you go back to Copernicus, where he restored the sun in the center of the known universe, displacing Earth. And you get to Darwinian evolution, and you find out we're not special on this Earth, we're just one among other life forms. And now we learn that we're not even special in the entire universe because there is Superman. There he is, an alien among us. We're not alone. Are you, as a United States Senator, personally comfortable saying to a grieving parent, Superman could have saved your child, but on principle, we did not want him to act. I'm not saying he shouldn't act. I'm saying he shouldn't act unilaterally. What are we talking about here then? Must there be a Superman? There is. David, I was waiting 30 years for this film. I mean, I like Affleck. I like him in his early Kevin Smith films. I liked him as Daredevil. I liked him as a director, and I like his Batfleck. Uh, so I wasn't a hater who came into this wanting to drag it through the mud. Uh, I was happy that we got, uh, like, I love Jack Kirby, and Jack Kirby gave us uh, the parademons and boom tubes. Uh, we also get the Flash in the multiverse. We get the first feature film meetup of Superman and Batman. And that is an epic thing. Uh, mm. that, that in itself is historic. That's right up there with King Kong and Godzilla and Frankenstein and Dracula together. Um, I give this thing a uh, four to five. How'd you feel about it? Uh, similarly, um, I had my, uh, just like with Brandon Routh becoming Superman, I had my back up against the idea that you have to pit Batman versus Superman. I thought the whole thing was ridiculous um, because even though they have different ways of doing it, they're both forces of good in their own ways, but they had, they had a specific setup and they did do something. There was of course the catastrophe and the fact that, and, and that whole opening scene is amazing. Um, so I can see that. Plus they do something where I think one of the characters um, mother would be killed if he doesn't go and fight uh super right. that kind of thing so it is set up in such a way that they do have to and then the whole thing which is uh hopefully this film we did do our our spoiler alert and we did uh and this has been long enough ago but the idea of two major characters in comics two super basically almost like superheroes even the batman is is more you know he's rich is is one of the films he mentions oh I, what's your superpower i'm rich but to have them both have martha as a name like how common is martha and how is it that you your adopted mother is martha and your actual mother for bruce wayne was martha and the fact that that somehow is the key moment where he's calling out for martha he says why are you calling out my dead mother's name no it's not my dead mother it's his adopted mother and that's how he suddenly realized that he's a human being and cares for earth i thought was a bit ridiculous you know it's funny i i felt really stupid uh when that moment happened in the film because i'd been you know watching in various media Batman and Superman since I was about two and, and it never really dawned on me or occurred to me that the mothers were both named Martha. <laughs> it's, it's a very odd thing, but to be honest and to be fair, because we want to be fair here. I've watched this film many times since, 
uh, I've had some people who really hate it. I said, no, there's, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of stuff, that whole scene where he finds that file and actually goes through it and finds all these superheroes and starts trying to track them down in a later film is quite good. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And the whole thing, the whole scene with Martha and, and everything that goes on throughout the film on repeated viewings, it's better. Yeah. And actually, that's one if you watch, there's also a Snyder cut of that, which is 30 minutes longer. And uh, it's a much better film with with the addition of the 30 minutes and uh the 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 segments that involve sort of the talking heads that get into the they're almost like a greek chorus talking about what's what the subtext is and talking about the morality of of a this uberman that oversees you uh that answers to no one kind of yeah like just that as a discussion is fascinating okay let's push on to our really our final film here. Um, it's uh, Justice League, which also has an alternate cut. There's uh, Zack Snyder's cut, which came uh, a couple of years after. The original Justice League was released in 2017. It ran 120 minutes long. Uh, and then um, after lockdown, but still, I guess, uh, during the pandemic era, the, the, the Zack Snyder version was released. And it's twice as long, 242 minutes. The original version of the film made $658 million at the box office. Uh, we follow the newly minted Justice League consisting of Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman, who try to resurrect Superman in order to defeat Steppenwolf, which is another Jack Kirby character. Um, during the post-production of the film, Zack Snyder was forced to step down from Justice League to deal with the death of his daughter. Joss Whedon stepped in as de facto director and rewrote and reshot many scenes. Warner Brothers Brass insisted on many changes to Snyder's film, as well as a runtime that would not exceed two hours. And the thing comes in at exactly two hours. Uh, in 2020, there were reports that Whedon's treatment of the film's cast and crew was gross and abusive, unprofessional, and completely unaccess- unacceptable. Um, Chris Terrio, the film's screenwriter, called the theatrical cut an act of vandalism. Increasingly, there were calls to release Zack Snyder's version of the film. These calls came in the form of online petitions and comments from the Justice League cast, including Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins uh, said that no DC director considers Whedon's Justice League canonical and that she had worked with Snyder to ensure Wonder Woman maintained continuity with his film. The film was released for streaming on HBO on March 18th, 2021. Here in Canada, Zack Snyder's Justice League became the most streamed content of all time on Crave, with 1.1 million viewers in one week. When you compare the Whedon-created Justice League to Zack Snyder's JL, Whedon's film received a dismal 39% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes compared to 71% for Snyder's cut. I pretty much like everything about the Snyder cut of Justice League, Dave, other than the aspect ratio, which which you were mentioning, (laughs) which we still want to know why. But uh, watching it at home on the day of release, it felt like, real event televisions like watching something like live aid or super bowl or a, a muhammad ali fight or something uh, we don't get superman for quite a long time uh which is fair because he's dead through a chunk of the film 
um, and he needs to be resurrected. But when we do get him, uh, his return is epic. Mm. Again, we, we get Jack Kirby's dark side, which I was really pleased. I don't know why the theatrical version refused to have dark side. They, they send a messenger, Steppenwolf guy who represents dark side, but they don't show dark side. Um, anyway, so I saw him for the first time. And for me, it was fanboy Nirvana. Um, one of the few things I liked in the Josh Whedon cut though, was Flash's pet cemetery reference. So as a Stephen King fanboy. I was very excited. I was running the numbers while you were being an asshole, and there is a high probability that we can bring him back. Right, right. But we mean bring him back in like a yay, he's back way, not in like a like a pet cemetery scenario. He's back. He's not all right. Scanning, scanning. What? Arthur, you need to relax. Your adrenaline's spiking. Because he's not all right. He's confused. He doesn't know who he is. Pet cemetery. And that means Stephen King exists in the DC universe. There are truly other worlds than these. So what did you like, Dave, about the uh, about Justice League? And, and was it did you was it the Snyder cut you saw? Yeah, what I do is I watch the original several times, and then I did finally see the Snyder. Now, the Snyder one I watched was the color one, because there's also even a version called the gray something or other, the gray version or the gray. Oh, yeah. I thought it was very good. Um, I would have to do more research about seeing what specific parts or scenes were added. It just seemed to flow so well that I wasn't there trying to pick apart all mm-hmm. the differences. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, we would do it, but we are already running pretty long. Um, I gave it a four point five out of five. Uh, this is likely my favorite blockbuster superhero film. Uh, the only real downside is that even with a four hour running time, half of the film does not include Superman. So I might almost put an asterisk beside my four point five, but that's that's what I'd give it. Well, he's pretty important in the film too. Plus that whole moment, like the, the, the moment that stands out to me, which is just stunning the way it's actually handled is when Batman, when Superman is back and they're trying to fight him and trying to get him to reason or understand that he is a force for good and that he shouldn't be fighting them and all of that stuff. And the flash. <laughs> running trying to run around him and he notices uh-huh. superman turning his head <laughs> yeah and he's thinking how the hell is he turning as fast as i'm moving it's <laughs> yeah. just such a brilliant moment so one of the things i did want to mention about the comparisons and uh, it seemed like with the weeding cut uh in the finale now this is spoilers people but we gave you a spoiler alert earlier um in the original film um the parademons turn on steppenwolf because they're feed, they feed on his sense of fear. Um, so it's like, I felt like the brass wanted, didn't want to have the heroes kill him. Right. Uh, but in the Snyder version, the justice league gangs up on Steppenwolf truly coming together as a team and acting as a unit for the first Mm. time. And wonder woman decapitates him. It's awesome. (laughs) But, uh, and we like, clearly they were, they went, there and they ended up with a an r rating which but i thought it was great that they did that that wonder woman takes his head off 
Yeah, which, and the other the other thing that's really nice is at the very end where they built they bought this house, whatever it is that they've got, and they and and they're all there, and and Bruce Wayne says, well, you know, we're going to build this table here. And the six of us, or whatever it was, and then wonder or someone says, "You know what? We're going to add more." <laughs> then, so there's a sense that whatever the next Justice League film will be, which I think there's supposed to be one in like 2025. There was something that said when the next one might be, but adding more because the Justice League from the comics, of course, had a lot more than just these key members. So adding more, I think, will be very cool. Yeah, that would be great, and that's nice because that's a, a great way to actually expand the uh the whole dc universe uh, i will mention that um that's all we have for released films in 2025 uh superman legacy is slated for release um at summer 2025 the film will be written and directed by james gunn and will star david cornsweat as superman and rachel brosnahan who is great in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, she'll be playing Lois Lane. I think she'll make a great Lois. She's like a classic Lois type. Dream casting. Yeah. Dream casting, baby. So, David, should we get into that realm of uh, our dream casting and Schrodinger's cast? Let's do it. It's been a while since we've done this. Do you want to explain it again? And then we'll just get to it. Sure, let's. Um, so with our dream casting, we are first tackling the idea of casting the general leads, the basic classic leads in Superman with the best possible actors and actresses who have ever lived. So anything goes uh, here. Um, we just are looking for our idea of the best people for these roles. After this, we're going to do our Schrodinger's cast, which is nutty. Yeah. So Troy will go over the original roles and the actors that played them in the movie. Uh, the movie, of course, is 1978 Superman. And we've reduced our lists. This season, we're basically only looking at six. We used to sometimes do eight or nine. It was just too much. So we are looking at six roles. All right. So uh, we had uh, Superman and Clark Kent. That was Christopher Reeve. Uh, Lois Lane, we had Margot Kidder as the classic Lois. Ma and Pa Kent, we had Phyllis Thaxter and Glenn Ford. Jimmy Olsen, Mark McClure. Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman. And as General Zod, we had the wonderful British actor Terrence Stamp. All right, so do you want to start with your dream cast for Superman Clark Kent? I will. David, um, I went with John Hamm, who I always wanted to see as either Superman or Batman, but I've, I've gone with John Hamm. So, yeah, John Hamm can do anything, basically. He's really, he reminds me of almost an old style, kind of like a Humphrey Bogart, like, like this is a James Stewart kind of, like when Hollywood had that star system, he's today, like George Clooney and John Hamm and many others are part of that, you know, and Tom Hanks are just, Amazing. So yeah. John Hamm, absolutely. I went with Idris Elba. Now there's a reason for that. Nice. If he's not going to get, if he's not going to get Doctor Who and he's not going to get Bond, damn well, give him Superman for God's sake. Come on. Yeah. And I mean, he can do anything. I love everything he's been in. And you know what? It would be great. And 
even if it's just to piss off the internet trolls. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. guess what? Idris Elba is your new Superman. Suck on it. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're Lois Lane, sir. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you a bit of a playoff. Um, first of all, I don't know why this occurred to me because I'm always complaining about people being too young. But Michelle Millette, who plays Katie on Letterkenny, uh, she occurred to me first of all. And then Sarah Gadden, who's actually also been on Letter Kenny, and she's another Canadian actress um, who was in 11-22-63. And then I shook my head, cleared my head, went out for a walk, and I came up with Natalie Wood, mm-hmm. uh, who was one of my all-time favorite actresses. But So Natalie Wood would be my Lois Lane in a world where we can do anything. Yeah, I'd forgotten about Natalie Wood. She would have been uh, perfect for it. Uh, as she is perfect with many things. I went a bit more old school, and I think she was in a film that, that dealt with uh, people at a newspaper. So I, w- I went with Catherine Hepburn. Nice. Um, oh, she has the moxie for, for oh, Lois, too. Oh, my goodness. She'd oh, be yeah. perfect, perfect Lois. Yeah, even in Bringing Up Baby or whatever it was. You know, the, like she's just that actress that can pull that off, I think. Yep. Uh, now I was happy. I was very happy with my Ma and Pa Kent here. Um, and I we're get, cheating a bit. We're, we have these two counting as one. We put them together. But yeah, that's okay. So we're what cheating, the hell? But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Kents. Um, yeah. I went with, uh, Jessica Lang as Ma Kent. So sort of Jessica Lang of recent years as Ma Kent and as Pa Kent. I went back to the Grapes of Wrath. I went with Henry Fonda. As my uh, as my pa Kent, I mean, yeah. If he's good enough for Steinbeck, he's good enough for Superman. Yeah, Henry Farnes had one of those great uh, careers. I just remember Jessica Lange. I think she was in. Was she in the the King Kong, the Dino yeah. Dorantis one yeah, from seventy six or so? Yeah, which is a guilty um, pleasure of mine. Yeah, but she's also been in um, uh, other stuff. She wasn't in oh, Chinatown, yeah. was she? No, no. No, that was... My I, I can that see was Faye Dunaway. I can, I can see why you would conflate those two, though. Yeah, yeah, that was Faye Dunaway. Okay, so I went... And by the way, great choices. Um, I went with a bit more recent people. Jessica Lang for me, is more feels more 70s, and Henry Fonda for a very long time. I went with very more recent people. I went with Janine Garofalo, at, as she is about now, because she's about 50, 50-ish in age. Yeah. And Jeff Bridges. Oh, wow. That's a great um, pairing. Imagine the dude as your father. Oh, well, that would be awesome. And it he could... was around that age. He was around 50 when the um, Big Lebowski, because I checked ages yeah. when he was born and when the film came out. Both of the, like, I'm picking Jeff Bridges from the from the Big Lebowski period and Jenny Garofalo as she is now as oh, the parents. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, you could have. Like you might might still do it, but you could do a great Schrodinger's cast because I know you often like to keep the uh, the cast of some other production. And the Big Lebowski doing Superman would have been great. Oh, um, darn. <laughs> that's those. That's a great pairing, David. Um, Jimmy Olsen. So that, that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with Jimmy. Um. So the first person that came to mind was how how great Ron Howard would have been at some point. Um. And then. Uh, I guess just because he was a redhead, I thought of Ed Sheeran. Anyway, I went with Ron. I went with Ron Howard as very uh, good, a great ginger, a, you know, and a classic 
actor from, you know, again, a, a classic element from the Hollywood of our, of our life, basically, uh, to play Jimmy Olsen. Okay. Who you got? Yeah. I went with Jackie Cooper, who happened nice. to be in some of the films. He was Perry White. Yes. But he was a child, very famous child actor. Yeah, so Jackie Cooper in the early 40s, 1940s, would have been about 20. And there was a number of films that he was in around that time. And I think that I would picture him as a very good Jimmy Olsen. Definitely. Yep. So we're on to Lex, eh? Yeah, the, the, our, my favorite character. Pretty, pretty Ooh, his. Ooh, <laughs> his. Um, so I, I spat out three. Um my initial one was Elon Musk because Elon Musk feels totally like he is Lex Luthor. Um, I loved Michael Rosenbaum playing Lex on mm. uh, Smallville. Um, and I kind of would like to see him be able to revisit that as a slightly mm. older man now, rather than because he played, the, um, you know, a young, a young man in Smallville. Absolutely. Uh, of course I thought of Yule Brenner just because of the baldness, but I'm going to go with Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, I like those choices. And why does Elon guard his musk? Courage. No, sorry. That was too soon. Courage. Courage. Okay. So anyways, I went with Vincent D'Onofrio, one of my favorite actors. Mm. Um, He also um, was in his homicide life on the street. Yeah. He can play an evil dude. Yeah. And I think he was one of these characters that he was playing a bald dude in a Netflix series along uh, a number of years ago. It might have even been in Daredevil. I have to go back and try to remember it. I've seen a lot of stuff. So it's, I sometimes conflate things, but I think he was maybe the main uh, bad guy in um, the, the Daredevil series. I'd have to look that up. Sorry that I don't have that handy. Yeah, no problem. Um, but that's right. where I'm going is Vincent D'Onofrio. And I guess we still have General Zod to wrap things up, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I went with Sir Lawrence Olivier. Wow. Pulling out the big guns. I think he would be a kick-ass um, uh, <laughs> Lex Luthor, that is for sure. Yeah, and they call it acting, sir. I'm oh, sorry, but, um, <laughs> and certainly, yeah. And I did just looked it up. Daredevil, the series, I did have Vincent D'Onofrio, and he played Wilson Fisk in that series. And that's by the way, the film that that um, all those years ago that had Ben Affleck, I guess, right? Um, the the um, Hollywoodland, no Daredevil. Oh, Daredevil, right. It was Again. not a great film, but this series was incredible. Oh, the series, the series is great, yeah. Stunning. And you know what? If you check out the director's cut of um, of Daredevil, uh, it's a much better film. I'll have to look for that because I do, I am a fan of, uh, of Ben Affleck, and I was I really had my back. I, I really had my back up with him being. I just didn't see him cast as Batman. I just have never seen it, but in the more recent films and especially that very last one, I really am starting to see it with the justice league and him getting everyone together, just the way he handles himself as both Batman and as, um, as Bruce Wayne, right. Much better. Like, like I, he's, I finally sold on him. Now for me, for general Zod, I went with Stephen Lang, who was the main bad guy oh. in avatar. 
And he's just got that look and that kind of physique and just the way he was. I think he was also in that series. I think I'm not sure if he played a, a, a bad guy as well. There's a series where they go back and uh, families go back in time 80 million years ago and they're living with dinosaurs. And he's one of the main uh, characters in that one. I, I like Stephen Lang. I think he would yeah. be a very good General Zod. Okay, now we move on to the weirdness that is Schrodinger's cast. And Schrodinger's cast is basically, um, it's, it's like dream casting if uh, we were having a stroke when we were asked to give our responses. Um, it's it's kind of like, it's a, anything goes. It's, it's a weirdness thing. And uh, for the last number of shows i've been just using the random name generator 9000 for my list uh so it really is anything goes um and uh david you tend to go with sort of a a theme um not always but but you often do so is that the case today is that what you did today yeah sort of i i i like your idea of having done the big lebowski but and i wish i had now but I do take some stuff from 1960s, mainly cowboy series. Um, so we'll see how it goes. All righty. Well, for the big cheese, watch the big cheese is sort of applied to Captain Marvel, Shazam. Um, for Superman, I have, based on the response from the random name generator 9000, Tiny Tim. <laughs> my lord yes yeah i can't even imagine him in the uniform i think he would have like a draggy uh, a droopy butt uh the costume would fit in an odd way probably oh, but, in an but, odd way <laughs> yeah, yeah i can in just a see very hang, odd way hanging on him oh my god hopefully in the red trunks this time but yeah. uh, up up and away yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's um, my who do you have there for your Schrodinger? Wow, cast? that that is random. That yeah. is uh, a very, very um, <laughs> odd. <laughs> yeah, I can't get past it. But anyways, I went with uh, from 1960s sort of cowboy series. I went with Clint Eastwood from the series Rawhide. Ooh, and he was Rowdy cool. Yates and and the age and everything else. I think he would have. Um, Oh, and I've just looked up. Yeah, the the series was Terra Nova that had Stephen Lang, um, uh, and that was a better film, the, the series, than it should have been. But I think it only went a year. But anyway, yeah. yeah, I went with um, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, um, who I always wanted to play an older Batman uh, when when you know this is now about twenty years ago. I would have loved that Clint Eastwood as a sort of Batman Returns type of mm. uh, Batman. Yep. Okay, we're on to Lois Lane, intrepid reporter. Um, and this, it just came up. Uh, it was Aquafina. So Aquafina is Lois Lane. Yeah, I love Aquafina. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, I went back in time to the sixties again. 
I believe this was uh, Beverly Hillbillies, but I picked Ellie Mae. Oh, the, yeah. The, the actress that played Ellie Mae, which is Donna Douglas. Um, nice. Was she our- also on Petticoat Junction? Was there any, like, did, I guess there couldn't have been because if she was living in, in uh, Beverly Hills, she couldn't have been going back to Petticoat Junction, right? Okay. Yeah, let's get real for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a part of the uh, multiverse. In, in one version of the multiverse, yeah, Ellie Mae <laughs> was was back with the uh, Petticoat Junction girls. Okay, am I onto my Jimmy Olsen? Absolutely. So my Schrodinger's cast pick for Jimmy Olsen, uh, as supplied by the random name generator nine thousand, Jimmy Walker from Good Times. Dino my. Okay, I'm sorry. So we're on. We're supposed to be doing Ma and Pa Kent, but we're, oh, sorry, I, we're I, I doing Jimmy ahead. Olsen. I've, I've, okay, I've done no, a no, spoiler. No, don't, worry. don't worry. Let's do this one right now. Then we'll go okay. back to Ma and Pa Kent. So, so you said it was Jimmy Walker. Yeah, as Jimmy Olsen. As which, Jimmy Olsen. Which, so that uh, makes I, it easy. I kind of love that one. Yeah, because you say, "Hey, Jimmy," and then at least it's you're you've got the same name as. Uh, by the way, um, it does. I just looked up on the internet that that uh, Donna Douglas, who played uh, Ellie Mae Clampett on the Beverly Hill Hillbillies, eventually became a real estate agent and gospel singer, an inspirational singer, and author for author of books for children and adults. So. Wow. Uh, it's nice to have a career after you've been in the yeah. Beverly Hillbillies. That's right. Now, for me, I've got Don Knotts oh, from nice. the Andy Griffith show as Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> That's uh, great. A bit of an older, yeah, maybe a bit older, but I think he would be perfect because he's he always had that sort of klutzy kind of odd. His nervousness. Kind of, I, yeah. I, I love Don. Like, this is the thing that uh, Alexa and I never really quite saw eye to eye because she could not stand on that. Like I oh, okay. recorded the ghost in Mr. Chicken. Right. And I wanted to watch it with her. And she said, no way, Jose, kind of, or just forget about that because she was not a fan. Well, I know that uh, our listener, Pat Lannon, he, uh, the um, incredible Mr. Limpet is, mm. uh, is a film that gave him nightmares. Yeah. The animation too is a bit odd too, but yeah. uh, let's go on to Ma and Pa Kent. Why not? Okay, um, uh, so for Ma Kent, I was given Flegel from the Banana Splits as Ma Kent. Do you remember the Banana Splits? Oh, God. No. La, 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 la. Oh, yes. One banana, two banana, three bananas, four, five, yes. banana, six. Yeah, anyway, that's Thank the Thank you. Split. Thank you for bringing that back. Yeah, so Flegel. Flegel, who is the dog character as Ma Kent. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's just the way it goes with the, uh, the random name generator 9000. Wow. Yep. And my Pa Kent, married to Flegel, is Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> if you could read my mind, but uh... yeah. Yeah, that's right. If, if Clark could have read his mind, he would have known not to come save him under the underpass, overpass. Yeah, I, wow. Yeah. Can you imagine Superman just saying, hey, Flegel, I don't want you to remember this, and then kissing Flegel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I just realized, too, uh, if if uh, if Clark in Man of Steel had the abilities of Superman in uh, Superman 4, he could have he could have like let the damage happen to the overpass that would have killed his dad and he could have just fixed it. He could have just undid it. 
Yeah. Use the undo vision. Okay. Uh, what do you got there? Uh, uh, what I've got is from Green Acres. We all remember that wonderful theme song. Oh, it's the place uh, to be. It is. Uh, e- uh, I always thought Eva, E-V-A can also be Ava, but it's Eva, Gabor, and Eddie Albert as the Ma and Pa Kent. That's perfect. Why not? That's repurposing at its finest. Yeah, and that would be very cool. And I hopefully they would also have the pig there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wilbur. Wilbur, Wilbur. Pig, I think, right? Yeah, 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 God, yeah. God, my brain is a useless trash heap of garbage. Um, okay, so General Zod, is that where we... No, not yet. Well, Lex, we're on, right? We're on the final two evil baddies. So we're almost okay. done. We got Lex Luthor first. Yep. Now, I thought it was very appropriate that the random name generator 9000 gave me a scientist for mm. for Lex Luthor, at least in the version, because, you know, sort of in the more modern version, Lex is a philanthropist, not a philanthropist, a, uh, a business, uh, a rich dude. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and not so much this, this evil scientist, but I was given a scientist by random name generator 9000, and that was Bill Nye, the science guy. Wow. As Lex Luthor. I would have a, a cross between Bill Nye and Bill Nighy and have <laughs> them emerged into some one super being. But uh, I think even Lex Luthor with the, the, the latest uh, guy who's doing it uh, from the social network, I think, um, is part scientist. Right. too. So at least they brought that back a bit, but also rich. So they combine both. Yes. Um, uh, so I like uh, Bill Nye. And I've got James Arness from Gunsmoke as uh, Lex Luthor. Oh, oh, cool! Sort of a different look, but yeah, someone you wouldn't mess with. And almost, you I, know, that that's cool because you know Lex is not generally physically intimidating, but James Arness would be, and I like that. Well, what was he six four or six six? Like he was something very... like that. And I mean, six four was you know, bigger in that era too. Here it is. The first thing you type in, in Google, James Arness, the very first thing that shows up, James Arness height, then James Arness movies and T like height is the first thing that shows up for him. Now he's listed as six foot seven inches. Holy cow. Which is quite amazing. He was, which is basically 1.98 meters for those people who do. Uh, John Wayne was 1.93 meters. And Peter Graves was 1.92, Clint Walker, Dennis Weaver. There's a number of tall dudes who were in Westerns and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a naval pilot at one point. Uh, he was drafted in the U.S. Army and so on. So, yeah, James Arness would be a bit more. Yeah, 6'7". That's, um, that's tall. All right. Final category for Schrodinger's cast. Um, we've got General Zod. And my General Zod is the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Holy. I like your generator. Yeah. And I, I can't even imagine. Well, I mean, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man doesn't uh, speak as far as I know. But imagine him saying <laughs> Neil before Zod. Like, that would be interesting. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. So imagine, if you will, in the Daily Planet, you could have a scene with Clark Kent, Tiny Tim, 
with Jimmy Walker, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane, played by Aquafina. Oh, and wow. I just realized, now, now I know we didn't do this, but I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I had Jor-El, and my dream casting for Jor-El was Charlton Heston, but my Schrodinger's cast for Jor-El was Boy George, which I thought would have been interesting. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what I've got, I think, oh, yeah, I've got Lee Van Cleef. Uh, yeah, because I just recently watched um, Escape from New York, where he's great in that. But but I'm mainly covering '60s stuff, and of course he was in a number of of cowboy. That the, my theme was sort of been cowboys or or small yeah. town small yeah, that, town people like Andy Griffith and so on. So Lee Van Cleef was in one of the spaghetti westerns, I believe. Uh, yeah, the, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, he was always intimidating. Oh my goodness. So he'd actually be quite a good uh, General Zod, and probably better than my Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> yeah, and he's very intimidating, even in Escape from New York. And he's also a bit of a tall guy too, I think, or I get the sense of um, uh, Lee Van Cleef as someone who's got to be over six feet tall. We should probably put a bow on this thing. Yeah, let's do it. I had a lot of fun, and it was great finally doing um, justice, so to speak, or Justice League to. Superman. So that's the end of our Superman part two episode looking at movies. It was, it was super Dave. Um, please remember to catch us on your favorite podcast provider, uh, be it Spotify or podcast addict or however you do it. Hope you can find us there. Well, you're listening to us now. I, I assume, uh, anyway, uh, please, uh, yeah, check us out. Let people know, uh, you can try our website. Uh, which is two old farts like <laughs> you move into goalposts on me yeah, uh, our website that. our website uh 2of.ca it's numeric 2of.ca um we're on facebook we're always on facebook so much facebook um and you can find us there at two old farts talk sci-fi just a bunch of words um <laughs> do tell a friend like and subscribe do those things be kind to animals um, and, yeah. and have a, and have save a super the day. Planet. Yeah. Uh, I am David Clink. And I am Troy Harkin. See you all for our next episode of Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi. Talk sci-fi.